0: What's up, t Hola. Hola. Uh, quick question. Were you feeling that Barney song? Huh? Were you feeling that Barney song? I was feeling it For a like bit. about two minutes. Okay. And then it went away. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: I'm going to read in Spanish first. We're going to be reading in Romans chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. Romanos 15, 3 a 8. Ustedes ya están limpiados por la palabra que, que les, he, les he comunicado. Sorry. Permanezcan en mí y yo permanece, pa, permaneceré en ustedes. Así como ninguna rama puede dar fruto por sí misma, sino que tiene que permanecer en la vid, así como así tampoco ustedes pueden dar fruto si no permanecen en mí. Yo soy la vid y ustedes son las ramas. El que permanece en mí, como yo en él, dará fru- mucho fruto. Uh, separados de mí no pueden ustedes hacer nada. El que no para, permanece en mí es desechado y se seca, como la rama que se recogen se arrojan se arrojan al fuego y se queman. Uh, update, okay. Si permanecen en mí y, mi, y mis palabras permanecen en ustedes, pidan lo que quieren y se les concederá. Mi Padre es glorificado cuando ustedes dan mucho fruto y muestran así que son mis discípulos watch me mess up in English now let me switch over <laughs> alright already you are clean because of the word that has I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine and you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove that you are my disciples. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you for that. Can y'all encourage her as she goes back? Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word um, that is powerful, and Lord, as we sit up under it, we pray, Father, that you would help us to hear clearly. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give me clarity of speech, precision of heart, and let me speak the truth and nothing but the truth. I ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody say it. In order to truly appreciate the efforts it took for Martin Luther King to deliver the mountaintop speech, we must first consider the events proceeding that night in Memphis. At the urging of Reverend James Lawson, King had come to Memphis weeks before to support the city 1,300 black sanitation workers protesting for worker conditions and higher wages. He planned, a, he planned to lead a nonviolent march through the city in the hopes that a victory in Memphis might prove helpful to the upcoming Poor People campaign. A larger demonstration planned for Washington later that year. But King's stay in Memphis was fraught with difficulties. Within minutes, the mass march devolved into violence when a group of young militants known as the Invaders took the occasion to attempt a riot. Unable to restore order, King colleagues quickly whisked him away to the safe confines of his hotel room, a move that caused King critics to doubt his ongoing relevance and influence as a national leader. In the ensuing chaos, Memphis police peppered the street with gunfire, killing 16-year-old Larry Payne. The mayor called for martial law and brought in 4,000 National Guard troops to help enforce a court order injunction against further protest. It was the first and only time that King led a march that ended in violence and a boy had been killed in the process. King was devastated. To make matters worse, he had been informed by unknown sources that certain threats against his own life could be realized any day. King was keenly aware that, that he would likely be killed if he remained in Memphis. Deeply depressed, King left the city, headed to Atlanta, uncertain whether he would ever return or whether he would continue to carry the burden of the movement. It was in this low state, that King somehow found the strength to return to Memphis. On April 3rd, he reluctantly made his way through a Toronto downpour towards the crowd gathered at Mattson Temple Church. Although King was visibly shaken, he pressed on, committing to himself to stand for justice, to stand with the poor. To stand with the marginalized, no matter what it would cost him, even if it would cost him his own life. King is teaching us something this morning. Drawing on Moses' ascent atop mountain, paramount view of the promised land, Deuteronomy 32:49, King explains, and now immortal words, this is what he says: we got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter to me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life of longevity. And it has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he allowed me to go up to the mountaintop. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. And I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Friends, when we consider the circumstances surrounding King, we marvel at the mountaintop speech. How did King press on? How did he bear fruit in those hours, in those moments of difficulty and complexity too deep for words to explain? Might I contend this morning, That King kept going, that King kept pressing forward, and King didn't give up because King was abiding in Christ. God has called us to abide in him and find both our delight and our strength in Jesus. Jesus taught this lesson to his disciples in what was about to become his darkest moments in their most trying time. Jesus is getting ready to die, and they will feel lost, abandoned, and confused, his disciples. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt lost? Have you ever felt confused? Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt abandoned? Jesus is getting ready to die, and they will feel every bit of everything that I just said. When we are not abiding in Christ, we cannot withstand these crucial moments. When we are not abiding in Christ, we cannot press on. When we are not abiding in Christ, our circumstances become bigger than God. It is in this moment that Jesus illustrates himself as the true vine, a.k.a. their life giver and sustainer. I don't know if you caught it, but Jesus is illustrating himself as the life giver in the life sustainer. And you need to zoom in on that. You need to lean in on that. You need to understand not only does God give you life, but God sustains your life. Oh, that didn't rock you the way that it should have. God is the one that's keeping you right now. God is the one that's keeping you in your right mind. God is the one that's keeping you moving. God is the one that's allowing you to roll out the bed even those days when you don't want to roll out the bed. God doesn't only give us life, but God sustains our life. Oh, I wish I had some people that understood what it meant to understand that Jesus is not just the life giver, but the life sustainer, that he keeps you. As they walk towards the Garden of Gethsemane, I can feel it. You can almost see it in the text. You can feel the emotions coming out of John 15 as they are going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will soon die. He begins to talk to his homeboys. He begins to talk to his closest friends. He begins to talk to the disciples that he handpicked. These are not disciples that someone else picked for him. No, Jesus handpicked them, and Jesus knew that he had a task for them. Jesus knew that these would be the vehicle and by which he sent the gospel into the world. And so Jesus, with that being said, knowing that you will be absent, knowing that you are getting ready to go up to heaven, what is the most important thing for them to understand? I need them to get this. I need them to see this. I need you to get this and to see that, that apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is divine. We see it in the verse. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Help me, Holy Ghost. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me let that sit for a minute. You need to feel the weight of that. Let it pause. Let it marinate. Then he goes on. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burn. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my father is glorified, that you bear much what? And so prove to be my what? Disciples. My first point is this, is that we glorify God by bearing much fruit. We glorify God by bearing much fruit. We glorify God by bearing much fruit. We find this to be so in verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be what? My disciples. Verse 8 is where we find the purpose of our passage. This verse will drive the sermon this morning, and so I would encourage you not to lose sight of it. Consider, if you will, the urgency to fulfill his mission. Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends a few chapters earlier, and he is nearing the end of his earthly ministry. It is at this point, He chooses to spend his last critical moments with his disciples. We find in this verse that he wants them to understand the purpose of their relationship, and it is to glorify God. Uh, You need to know that God's main objective and purpose of your relationship with him is to glorify him. And God's main purpose is not to get you a bigger house. It is not to get you a BMW. It is not to get you the next promotion. Uh, No, 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 that's not God. God's agenda does not revolve around you. You are not the most important thing in the universe, newsflash. Your children are not the most important thing in the universe. God did not create you so that you can become an IG phenomenon. That's not why God created you. God created you so that you can glorify him. If you don't like that, you're going to be one frustrated human being for the rest of your life. Because the entire universe is moving towards this purpose, and it is to glorify God. Friends, this is also the purpose of our relationship to the son which is to glorify God by bearing fruit. The purpose of our life is to bring glory to God. If bearing much fruit is the consummation of the ultimate goal, then the question is now, how do we do that bear fruit? This is accomplished in two ways. First, we're going to see how we bear fruit by abiding in Christ. And second, we're going to see how we bear fruit by Christ abiding in us. Let me say it again. First, we're going to see how we bear fruit by abiding in Christ. And second, we're going to see how we bear fruit by Christ abiding in us. Y'all remember the rushing down. Simply what he's saying is that if we are going to bear any fruit, we, this is us, must abide in Jesus. We must live in Jesus. We must be in Jesus. But it is not good enough for you to just be in Jesus. Amen, somebody. Jesus has got to be in you. Come on, somebody. Uh, Because if he ain't in you, you're not in him, right? It got to be both ways. You got to be in him. Amen. And when we open up your life, Now, now, let's be honest now. Some of y'all have people open y'all up. We're going to find all kinds of stuff in there. All right? <laughs> may find some cuss words in there. I don't know. Uh, may find some Tito's in there. No, let me just stop playing with y'all. Uh, but we must abide in him, and Christ must abide in us. We bear fruit by abiding in Christ. We see this in verse 5. Christ informs us of this in verse 5. Whoever abides in me, he is that bears fruit much fruit. It's essential that we understand what abide means. As it is mentioned several times in this chapter, abide means to remain. It means to stay. It means to continue. It means to dwell. Somebody needs this this morning. No less than six times in these verses, Jesus uses the phrase in me. No less than six times. Jesus used the phrase, in me. That little phrase is packed with so much theological truth. Well, how do we get in Christ? How do we get into Jesus? How do we get into Jesus? What causes us to be in Jesus? How do we get inside of the Savior? We get inside the Savior by being born again. When we are born again, our new life begins in Christ. Mm -hmm. This uh, 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 this is good. When you are born again, you are born into Jesus. It's like a pregnancy. The new baby abides inside of its what? Its mother. The baby is in mommy. And in mommy, the baby receives all that it needs. But the baby must remain in mommy if it will what? If it will grow. And God wants us to abide in Christ like that. We need to depend on him just as much as a baby depends on its mother. Family, who are you abiding in this morning is my question. Who are you continuing to dwell with? I mean, people brag all the time about who they know and hang with. Whoever it is that we love abiding with, we try to be like them. If they watch ghosts, we want to watch Y'all act like y'all know what I'm talking about. We want to watch ghosts. If they want to watch, I'm just going to say valley. Y'all just keep looking at me. Uh, uh, We want to watch that. Uh, 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 Y'all remember the old saying, I want to be like Mike. Those who wanted to be like Mike bought his headbands. They bought his shoes. They bought his jersey. Why? Because they wanted to be like who? They wanted to be like Mike. Abiding is about closeness. It's about, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's right together, just like that. That wasn't even in my notes, but i love me some peanut butter and jelly. All right? We're talking about closeness. How does a believer abide in Christ? We abide by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit simultaneously connects and keep us in Christ. In this way, we as believers are filled with the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit keeps us in Christ by first opening our eyes to our dependency of him. In verse 5, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the things that God is going to open your eyes up to, one of the things that God is going to illuminate your mind to is this fact and this truth that you need me, that you can do nothing without me. And many of us have walked in our pride and our arrogance and we have failed to our faces because we realize that when we try to do life without Jesus, things begin to fall apart. Some of our marriages have fallen apart because of this. Some of us have fallen back into sin because we thought that we can do something without Jesus. But Jesus is clear. If you leave me, if you do not abide in me, don't you get beside yourself and think that the holiness and the fruit that you're producing is because of you. It is because of me that you're anything. You're nothing without me. Oh, what would happen if we get this? Oh, how better our relationships would become. Oh, how much more fruit we would produce. I'm trying to preach it so that you understand it. This verse here says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Spiritually dry. Don't want to worship. Heart's cold. Because you're trying to worship God apart from Jesus. Now, you may get so far down the road, but at some point, you're going to run out of gas. You may be able to fake the funk for a moment, but at some point, you're going to run out of gas. At some point, you're going to have to connect with the Savior if you're going to keep going. Anybody ever had a season in your life where you tried to do it your own way? Anybody ever been in that season where you tried to worship God in your own strength? And what happened? The Holy Spirit reminds you that you are nothing without Jesus. We never, 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 never go to a place where we don't need Jesus. There's a lane of teaching that says, Jesus saves you, then it's up to you. (laughs) Foolishness. Jesus doesn't just save you, he keeps you. You know, at some point the baby... And uh, the baby mommy gives birth to, the baby grows up, it gets an education, then a job, then the baby moves out, the baby goes from dependent to independent, and you can't file them on your taxes anymore. Just keep looking this way. (laughs) Friends, we never grow up to the point that we can say, okay, Jesus, I don't need you anymore. And the issue is, is many of us act like that. We stop reading our word, we stop going to church we stopped praying. And the crazy part is some Christians have stopped doing this during a pandemic. I believe that the pandemic in a real way is showing, is revealing where some of us have put our dependency. Some of us were going to church out of ritual and not out of worship. And so now we're so easily distracted by other things because we're attracted by these other things. And now since we don't have the habits that we had. Other things are starting to take the place of the Lord. Because at some point, your Christianity needs to be more than habits. It needs to be relationship. It needs to be a knowing and a connectivity with the Savior. And when we are not connected with the Savior, it's easy for us to leave the Savior. Some of the relationships, marriages, where you find the least amount of cheating is those who have strong relationships. When there's a lack of strong relationship in the marriage, that's how unfaithfulness creeps into the marriage. Relationship has a way of keeping things out that doesn't belong. It's important that we understand Christ is our life. Not like the baby that starts its own life. We're not like the baby that gets on and starts its own life. No, Christ is your life. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live But Christ, who lives what? In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and what? Gave himself for me. This dependency overflows into a desire to keep Christ's commandments. Obedience is essential to abiding in Christ. Let me say that again. I'm going to say it slow. Obedience is essential to abiding in Christ. Obedience is essential to abiding in Christ. Therefore, the Holy Spirit cultivates obedience in the believer that permits us to remain in Christ. When we walk in submission to the Lord, we experience more of his life, more of his love, more of his goodness, his fruit in our lives. As the psalmist say in chapter 119, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. How many people know that the more you walk with Christ, the more you walk in obedience to Jesus, the more you submit to him, the more you find out that the commandments that he has for you is actually good for you, that you've been enriched by being obedient to the Savior. Christ becomes our joy as we trust, depend, and obey him. The more we desire Christ, the more we want to abide in him. The Holy Spirit works in us to cultivate a joy for us in the person of Christ. Our hearts are continually drawn to the fountain of joy, and we willingly remain in him. What does abiding in Christ look like? Y'all remember when you first fell in love? I'm talking about your first love. That first, I'm talking about high school sweetheart puppy love. None of y'all ain't never been in love in here, huh? I'm talking about I don't know no better love. I'm talking about breathing on the phone all night kind of love. Y'all don't remember that? Y'all just breathing on the phone. Y'all ain't got nothing to say. Y'all remember when the phone was on the minutes? Mm-hmm. Y'all running up your minutes and everything? I'm talking about that kind of life. see, 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 I'm having deja vu because my daughter called herself having a boyfriend. And Kyla wants to do, and would do, if she didn't have a mommy and daddy, be around her boyfriend all the time. That's all she wants to be around. She wants to be around her boyfriend. She wants to spend time with him. When was the last time you longed to spend time with God? We had to take her phone because, as I said, she was falling asleep just breathing on the phone. Just hot breath, just going through the phone. When was the last time you fell asleep praying to God? She wants to get to know her boyfriend, so she's attentive to him. When was the last time you searched God's word with a delight to get to know him? I'm talking about abide, 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 abide in Jesus. But I found the most powerful relationships are those who are good friends. I mean, that's your homie, that's your ride or die. Bethel, Gary, I want Christ to be our best friend. The thing about Jesus is that he's a good friend. He's an awesome friend. Good friends will show up right where you are, jailhouse, crack house, doesn't matter where you are. A real friend will show up where you are, smack you around, tell you when you're wrong, tell you when you're right, encourage you. Everybody needs a good friend, and there's no friend like the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a good friend. Oh, he's been in places where no one else would go with you. He's found you in places where no one else would go with you. When people gave up on you and thought that you were done for and they washed their hands of you, there was a friend named Jesus that showed up where you were. People will walk out on you in the middle of your depression. They'll walk out on you when you're broke. But Jesus will stick with you. Oh, you know that he'll stick with you because he went to the cross for you. He died for you. He rose for you. Uh, Jesus is a good friend, but, 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 I'm thankful, I'm grateful, I can almost shout right now, I want to lift up my voice because there's some better news, not only are we to abide in Christ. But thanks be to God, our abiding in Christ is not left to us alone. Oh, praise God for that. Thank God that my abiding with him is not left up to me alone. Did you know it was God that keeps you abiding in God? Did you know your love for God is not just your love for God, but God's love for God inside of you? Did you know that God is working in you to keep you in him So we bear fruit not only by abiding in Christ, but we bear fruit by Christ abiding in us. Fruit comes from the life of Christ in the soul of man. It is is a power. Mm. Fruit that we bear, that love that Andrew was talking about, that joy, that that self-control. Oh, something great happens to something that God does in the inside of us. That All that life that you're experiencing as a believer, that that anger that's leaving away, that, 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 that putting other needs before you, oh, that's Jesus down in the inside. That's the power of the Holy Ghost at work inside of you. It is the life of Christ in the soul of man that causes us to bear fruit. You need to understand the power and the essence of Jesus being on the inside of you. The Bible puts it this way that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. That's a whole lot of power. That's a lot of power. God has put something down in the inside of you that is so omnipotent that it drives out darkness, that it drives out those things that contradict his character. I'm talking about the power in the life of Jesus. Jesus doesn't come in the inside of you and lay dormant. This is a powerful Lord that is in the inside of you. And when he starts working and when he gets down, on the inside it's the reason why we say i can't be the same person i used to be because when jesus gets down in you ain't no you might change Oh, no, there's no, I might change. There's no, maybe I'll change. Maybe he'll deliver me. Maybe he'll set me free. Maybe I'll get out of this. Friends, I came to tell you, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the Word is true, even when your life is showing, that, that even when your life is in contradiction with the Word. I brought some scripture, Chris. I knew that they were going to need it. Uh, here, here it is, Hosea 14.8. I did my homework. God says, I'm like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Oh, that's good right there. Oh, that's good right there. From me comes your fruit. This good right here, the reason why I love it, because that right there shuts everybody's mouth in the room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It makes you stop uh, uh, looking down at your neighbor. Mm -hmm. It makes you stop looking down on people who are not further along in their own Christianity than you. Right here it says, from me comes your fruit. That God gets all of the credit. Christ's life is so powerful, it naturally overflows outward from where he dwells. This is why you can't be saved and be fruitless. Jesus is going to come out of you. He's that powerful. His life must break through anything he abides in, namely by producing fruit. Christ abides in us by the Spirit. Therefore, if anyone will produce fruit, they must be born again. It is the new birth that causes Christ to take residency via the Spirit. The Spirit does not reside in you and sit on a sofa on your heart. He's moving, he's active, he's working to produce fruit. Galatians 5:22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I said love. Uh, joy. I said joy. Uh, peace. Uh, you still lay manning with me? All right, get ready to say ouch. Uh, uh, patience. Ouch. Uh, here's another ouch. Kindness. Uh, Lord, I need help. Anybody need help with kindness? Anybody, especially with this pandemic, you know, I need help. Uh, what about goodness? Faithfulness. Uh, uh, gentleness. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh. Self-control. Whoo! Lord, I messed up on that one on the way in. I said, oh, whoo-wee. People attest you on that one, won't they? You lose self-control, you lose all of the fruit. No love, no joy, no peace. Oh, yeah, you're going to get this one today. I've been saving this little cuss word right here for you. I knew he was going to. I'm going to pick it back up later, though. Uh, But I got to get this off my. You ever had something you had to get off your chest? You just, you just, you had to set your Christianity aside for a moment. You gonna pick it back up, you know? Because I love the Lord, but I need to satisfy. I'm just messing around. The Spirit opens our hearts to more truth in God's Word, and we behold Christ more clearly. His likeness becomes more desirable, and we take on more of his likeness from one degree to the next. Our expression of this is the finest Christ-like character. Church, this is why it is so vital that Christ's word abides in us. Christ enables himself to dwell in us more richly through his living and abiding word. You are not going to live for Jesus if you are not in the word. It's impossible. You cannot do it. How are you going to live for Jesus? You don't know. How you going to be obedient to some commandments you don't even know? How you going to be like Christ and you ain't got the mind of Christ? Fam, Christ has made his home in us who believe and is continually unpacking, transferring, dispensing, or remitting who he is to our understanding and heart. We're experiencing this right now in the Harris household. We're getting ready to move into our new house real soon, and we're going to bring A bunch of stuff with us, and we are going to unpack those things into the house to make that house reflect us. Friends, this is what Christ does when he moves in. He unpacks those things that are like him into your house, into that house. Feel, smell, talks, and looks like him. He is a God that causes us to overflow with goodness Because he is full of life and breath and depth so much, he cannot be contained. And by the Spirit, he admits all things that would try to lock him out from abiding in your heart. Jesus plans to abide in us for how long? How long does Jesus plan to abide in you? Forever. He plans to abide in you forever. And that's huge. You know how hard it is to dwell with people? You know how hard it is to dwell with someone forever? Jesus is going to abide in you forever. Philippians 4.13 says this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for what? His good pleasure. It is God abiding in you that keeps you abiding in God. And Christ is a great friend. The things about a great friend is they will come wherever you are. A good friend will help you in business, it will get up in your business, a friend will get up in your face, and a friend will confront you. Jesus is a good friend. Consider the imagery of the text. I am the vine and you are the what? The branches. The vine is the life source of the branches. The branches are supplied with strength and beauty by its attachment to the vine. The fruit of the branch is the result of the life flowing from the vine. The branches abide in the vine, and the vine in the branches, and it is fruitful. Christ is the divine vine. He is life, eternal, always was, the great I am. We are the branches, lacking, wanting, needy, without him. He is the source of the believer's strength and beauty. The believer can do all things through Christ who strengthens him or her. By abiding in Christ and Christ in us, we are fruitful like the abiding branches. By this, God is glorified when we we bear much fruit. Now, I know the natural inclination of our hearts in this place. The natural inclination of our hearts is to try harder to bear fruit. Fruit, friends, are not Christmas tree ornaments that you tie on. You don't just go and tie fruit on. Instead, my friends, let us cling to Jesus. Let us love Jesus. Let us know him deeply. Let me say that again. Friends, let us cling to Christ. Let us love Christ. Let us know him deeply. And the natural result of any branch in this divine vine is always fruit. And as we produce these fruit, we ought to be in the world. We ought to be hanging around unbelievers so they can see our fruit. And when they see our fruit, they are intrigued. Why are you so loving in the face of hate? How can you love? How can you be okay? How can you have peace when there's so much trouble, when there's a pandemic going on? Why are you at peace? How can you forgive people who have wronged you? How do you keep loving a husband that don't deserve you? It's God in me, the hope of glory. And see, this is what happens when we begin to hang around Christ. His word, his church, and praying, you begin to look more and more like him. Christ is our Savior. He died to redeem us from the curse of the law that we might bring us back to God. Can we imagine wanting to abide with another so deeply and so richly? Who else in the world do you want to abide with more than Jesus? And you know what? Abiding with Jesus isn't hard. It isn't. You know, abiding with Christ, no one needs to persuade you. No one needs to manipulate you. No one needs to convince you. Because abiding in Jesus is pleasurable. We abide in him. Oh, we abide in him because... He is infinitely desirable. We abide in him because he is infinitely admirable. We abide in him because he is infinitely valuable. We abide in him, friends, because he is infinitely enjoyable. We abide in him because he is infinitely uh, satisfying. We abide in him because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Help me preach this morning. We abide in him because he came down 42 generations to redeem us back to God. We abide in him because we were lost in sin, and we were not fit to live, and we were not ready to die. We abide in him because Genesis tells us to abide in him because he's the seed of the woman. We abide in him because Exodus tells us to abide in him because... He's the Passover lamb. Turn over with me to Leviticus. Leviticus tells us to abide in him because he's the high priest. Numbers tells us. uh, The Numbers tells us to abide in him because he's a pillar of cloud by day. And a pillar of fire by night. Deuteronomy calls him the lawgiver. Joshua calls him the captain of my salvation. Ruth calls him my kinsman. Samuel calls him the righteous prophet. Judges calls him the holy judge. And the book of Kings says that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And Chronicles says that he's a prayer answering God. And all through the Bible, saints keep in their right mind because he is infinitely enjoyable to abide in. Friends, this is the Jesus that keeps our soul. This is the Jesus whom we ought to delight in. This is the Jesus and whom you and I need to continually fall in love with. Friends, as Angie said, don't let anything pluck you away from this divine. vine. The good news is, is that Jesus says, no one will be able to pluck you out of my hand. Come all you branches who need life. Come all you branches who are dry and withered. Come all you branches who are frustrated. Come all you branches who are in darkness. Come all of you branches that do not have life. Come all you branches who are scared of hell. Come all you branches who are frustrated with your sin. Come all you branches that need fruit. Come to Jesus and watch Him cause you to come to life. And all of you branches who are in him already, remain in him, abide in him, draw life from him, know him, go into the secret place with him. We can go beyond the veil, amen? Unlike prophet Quincy who told me that we could We can go beyond the veil. Because Christ has tore the veil. We have access to him. Let us take advantage of that. And when we abide in Jesus, the Father is glorified because we bear fruit and so prove to be his disciples.